Hello, and welcome to another episode of Healing Through Pain, a podcast dedicated to the mission of walking people towards healing and health. In each new episode, we will discuss how to show up well for the responsibilities and opportunities that life sends our way. Here is your host, Stephanie West, a licensed practicing counselor in the state of Michigan, a teacher, and a professor who lives her life at the intersection of mental health and education. Thanks so much for following along. Welcome back to a new episode. My hope is that this doesn't jostle around in a bunch of different ways, but I have not disjointed ideas that I'm going to try to connect together, but I probably have a plethora of ideas, maybe a few too many, that I'm going to try to weave together. We're just going to send it, and hopefully you understand the thesis of this by way of me explaining it well. So let's kick it off and let's see what happens there. But one of the places I want to start out, so obviously the title of this episode is talking about growing through pain. Now, this isn't a new idea for me to write about, but I'm going to kind of take it in several different directions, one of which is starting off with scripture, a particular scripture precept that I believe was pretty perverted in my particular upbringing, not by way of like some, you know, mass conspiracy to do harm or some mass conspiracy to contribute to poor boundaries, but I just think it's a perversion of something that has now gone kind of mainstream. And it's that idea of make not your brother to offend or make not my brother to offend as a life posture. I do believe that that's a precept I want to walk out. I don't want to go around intentionally offending people. But I think it's a perversion of scripture if we are never taught wisdom and discernment in this area because me having values and opinions and ideas is not in and of itself hurtful to other people. It's not harmful to other people unless I'm going out there and doing things in a way that are destructive. But boundaries are not in and of themselves harmful. And frankly, others being offended, that's theirs to hold. Now, I still have to be a valued and an integrity person, but the idea of prioritizing someone else's comfort or someone else's ideas over our own or someone else's values over our own, that's a misstep. And I believe that was kind of taught to me and imposed on me at a young age. And it's taken me a long time to say, wait a second, I'm not going out intentionally being malicious. I also don't have to go out making sure I don't offend anyone ever. And I want to connect that to the big idea today of pain. So again, the name of my podcast, Healing Through Pain, I named that you know a year and a half ago in the infancy of my own journey to embrace pain. At that time, I did not yet have the reverence that I do now, and I assume that reverence will continue to grow of what it actually means to embrace pain as the catalyst for growth. We will grow through pain. Now, I like that Henry Cloud gives a distinction at one point in one of his books that says, you know, you don't grow through needless pain, like don't invite stuff in just to suffer, because that's that's kind of reckless, that's foolishness. But it is something, if we expect growth to happen, we have to embrace that pain as part of that process. I did get a new workout shirt recently that says pain is just weakness leaving the body. Now, I wish I were that hardcore. I'm not. I don't, you know, love pain by its very nature. Uh, We are pain-aversive creatures, but we can train our brains and train our bodies to tolerate, endure, and grow under pressure. Time under tension is for our good. So a couple weeks ago, I was watching a docudrama, and by the way, this is not a recommendation. The show in general had a good thesis, but it did not have some themes that I was really 
all that comfortable with. But I kind of, as I started it, I kind of got gripped by this concept. It's related to the OxyContin epidemic and the opioid crisis. And it really started to show what was happening in the late 1990s, early 2000s, where Purdue Pharma puts out this OxyContin prescription and they colluded with the FDA, at least according to the docudrama and in the subsequent research I did after it, just to kind of verify. And I believe I have these facts right. Basically, someone was working with the FDA and they helped write up the label for OxyContin. And it said, it's very unlikely going to be habit forming and it's okay for small doses. So it said uh, mild and moderate pain. This was an appropriate intervention. And later on, they retracted that and said, well, wait, this is actually for really high level pain. But at its infancy, OxyContin was sold as, you know, this takeaway for pain. Now, as I was watching it, what was fascinating was watching the doctors disseminate the information to the client or to the patient. They would say to the patient, do you have pain? And they would hand them this prescription and they'd say, this will take away your pain. And then you see the conversations going on at Purdue Pharma where they say, well, wait a second, what about breakthrough pain? Because eventually someone might no longer benefit from a five milligram dose or a 10 milligram dose. And they said, oh, that's not a big deal. We'll double the dose. So they go from a a five milligram pill to a 10 milligram pill. There's a 20 milligram pill that's manufactured. Then there's a 40 milligram pill, then an 80 milligram pill. And by the end, as we're getting into like the late 2010, so like 2017, 2018, 2019, Purdue Pharma is working on a 100 160 milligram pill to help take away pain. And so we're sold this idea that you should not feel physical pain. We do not want you to have to tolerate pain. So, you know, as you're listening to this and as I'm saying this, it's like, well, what's the big deal? We don't want pain. Pain's not like the the most exciting thing to endure. But what is the absence of pain? That's wildly inappropriate. Maybe there are pieces of pain that we can stymie. There's pieces of pain where we can take the edge off. But to guarantee a pain-free existence, that's an issue. So we see that with physical pain in the late 1990s, early 2000s, we see that become normalized. The next thing we see, and I've talked about this particular book before, The Coddling of the American Mind, they talk through the research that around 2013 is when our universities started stepping in and allowing students to push back against discomfort that they were feeling, and they started to change policy, or they started to restrict public speakers, or they started to capitulate to the tyranny of the minority, saying, you know what, you should not feel emotionally unsafe. We need to protect you from feelings of unsafety. Think about that. Now you don't have to feel physical pain. You shouldn't have to feel emotional pain. We're going to protect you. We as an organization are going to inoculate you from pain. What does an organization have to compromise for that to be their goal? We're going to talk about that in a few minutes here. But it is astounding that people my age and younger are being sold this bill of goods that you should not experience pain. And that's utter foolishness. The other week, too, just as a tangible example, I was listening to the Joe Martino show, and on episode 217, he's talking about this very topic. He's talking about feeling uncomfortable. And in that, he cites the fact that his daughter is in, I think, like a public speaking class, if I'm remembering the details correctly. And one of the classmates is going to do a presentation or an opinion speech on managing ADHD without medication. And another classmate 
found offense in that and said, well, I take ADHD meds. I don't want to have to listen to this conversation. I don't want to have to listen to this topic. I'm uncomfortable because apparently you not taking pills is somehow going to be an affront to me who chooses to take pills. And I don't want to have to face the discomfort of that. Is that seriously where we're at? That kids should be allowed to leave classrooms because they don't like the topic going on because it might rub up against something that's not compatible with their particular comfort zone. That is ludicrous that other people's comfort is the metric for the values I get to hold or for the words that I get to say. Now, I get that there's tension there. I get that there's people who will use their words maliciously and who will do damage and harm, but that is the minority. That is a small subset of people capitalizing on the ability to incur harm or incur hurt through their words, but that is not everyone. To sell us a bill of goods that we don't have to be uncomfortable is absolute malarkey. Think of any time that you've grown. Trace back through your life. Do you have any success that's gone on that was pain-free? Have you ever engaged emotional healing? Healing that didn't involve discomfort? Have you ever engaged a relationship that is sturdy and strong that didn't include some sort of adversarial intersections? It doesn't work. Have you gotten a degree? Have you opened a business? Have you learned a trade? Short-term stress, long-term payoff. You have to endure the discomfort. Have you ever overhauled your finances or your physical health? Short-term stress, long-term payoff. Your comfort should not be the metric for success. Your comfort should not be the metric for a life well lived. And by golly, other people's comfort should not be the dictator on if I'm living well, if I'm living out my values, if I'm living things in a productive way. We have to reconcile these messages. Do I want to live out of the precept that pain is bad? Do I want to live out of the precept that other people's comfort is more important than reality? What's the cost of that? If we seek a life of comfort or if we capitulate to those who demand they live a life of comfort, what is the cost? So we start with the topic of pain and say, of course, we're pain aversive, but yet pain has a payoff. But then we're even aversive to discomfort. I shouldn't have to handle my emotions. I shouldn't have to wrangle through things that are uncomfortable for me. The unfortunate thing is people actually build lives that eliminate most of the uncomfortableness. Can we actually call that living though? I've worked with some of these clients and even more often I sit with some of these people's family members who are being wounded consistently because someone in their life refuses to experience any type of pain. So my kids are not allowed to produce any sort of discomfort in me. My spouse is not allowed to produce any sort of discomfort in me. And those are the people who end up in therapy saying, I don't get it. The entire world revolves around this person and it is so damaging and it is so toxic and it is so confusing and it's because their comfort zone's being brushed up against and so they're going to rain hell on everyone around them. It's really confusing. It's frankly quite alarming. We can go out of our way to control every environment we're in to cater to our comfort but you will not grow. And what I will say is as someone who's been in organizations and been in institutions that capitulate to the biggest dissenters, those rabble rousers who say, hey, I'm not getting my way, so I'm gonna cause a big scene here. You as an institution, short-term payoff, because you shut down the dissenter, long-term consequences. When you capitulate to the person who's demanding that their point of view is heard, you capitulate to the person who is going to wreak havoc on you again, in the short term, so you change policy or you decide that their comfort is the solution to this situation, you will implode your organizations. You will undervalue what you have to offer if other people have to be comfortable with you. 
I am so thankful that the counter message is out there. It feels like it's gaining traction. So there's, you know, the David Goggins of the world. And frankly, he's an extremist, but he shows us what's possible if you decide to wrap your brain around the idea that pain is just pain. Do with it what you will, but it's just pain. Your discomfort is not the metric for what you can accomplish. Yako Willink is another one who goes out of his way to reassure us that everything we want is on the other side of hard work and discipline and pain. That's how it works. I appreciate so much that he talks about the idea that you will have the pain of discipline or you will have the pain of regret. Guys, pain's happening either way. Whatever you know, delusions we're telling ourselves about, hey, everything can be pain-free, everything can be discomfort-free, that's, that's a straight-up inaccuracy. It's, it's a delusion that we would be living out. But I have walked with people in that delusion that their comfort is going to be the guiding point of what everyone else is allowed to do. It is so concerning. I get how we got there. 30 years ago saying you don't have to feel physical pain. 10 years ago saying you don't have to feel emotional pain. But listeners, you do not need to buy into that. I refuse to buy into that. I am thankful I am surrounded by people who push back against that and say, you know what? If I expect meaning in my life, if I expect to do anything productive, anything with purpose, anything with added value, there will be pain involved. There will be risk involved. There will be loss involved. There will be grief involved. It's all part of the messiness of life. But if you strive to live pain-free, I can assure you, you're not living. And if you try to impose your comfort on other people, you try to demand that they meet your need, you will not have relationships that are meaningful. If you are an organization that is going to capitulate to the minority and say, you know what, you're loud, you're uncomfortable, so now I'm uncomfortable, okay, we'll do what you say, watch yourself self-destruct. I lament for the fact that once upon a time, it it truthfully felt like I was going to be called into long-term academia and go sit in a, you know, a professor position and love on students and pour into students and, you know, guide the next generation. I have almost zero desire to do that, at least at a full-time level. Now, I hope I'm invited in and I get to do, you know, some tangential work there. I get to do some adjunct work there. But I am watching too many organizations capitulate to the minority and call it good policy. It's absolute lunacy. But we at the micro level can do it differently. I want to raise up students who go into their college classrooms and when someone else says, hey, I'm offended, they say, okay, deal with it. Now be tactful, be graceful, be gracious, don't be malicious. But other people's comfort should not be the metric for our actions. That is not the real world. And it's showing up and it's showing up in mass and we get to push back against it. When we try to make other people comfortable by pivoting and bobbing and weaving, we are often buying short-term relief, but there are long-term consequences. You know who's going to capitalize on this travesty? Those of us who decide to embrace pain or at the very least tolerate it. Everything meaningful is on the other side of discipline and hard work and effort and degrees of pain. Do not fall for the lie that ease is the priority or your comfort is the priority. And please don't become part of the tyrant minority that lauds comfort above all else and says that that's what everybody owes them. If you expect growth, expect pain. They are intimately connected. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen. Please share this content with friends and family. Feel free to connect with Stephanie at healingthroughpain21 at gmail.com. Until next time, be well.